For GateWorld.net, I am David Reed, and I am here talking with Mr. Bill Nye, dare I say, the science guy. Bill, is that something that you're proud of, being known as the science guy? Or after all these years, Absolutely. it's just like, I wish it would go away. Oh, science no, guy. no, 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 no. This is, uh, I am very, very proud to be the science guy. It is an honor. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I, uh, the, the trouble, uh, the feature, the, what, what I like to call the blurse which is the blessing and the curse <laughs> of, of Bill Nye, is that what you see is what you get. So when uh, a feller shows up on Stargate Atlantis playing himself, mm, mm. it's not that hard. Yes. <laughs> I should be able to do that. <laughs> I mean, I say I repeat myself continually anyway, so why not just repeat myself with words that are pretty close to what I said, would have said? Well, had there been freeze lightning and the world was ending, and we only had forty-eight minutes to save it, <laughs> that's one of the. I, one that's of not buddies. easy. Forty-eight minutes saving the world. I know. Okay, just you know, no pressure. It, yeah, exactly. That's one of it the things that I wanted to ask you about, Bill. I, I'm buddies with Martin Garrow, and I, I asked him this. We, we I spoke with him a little while ago, and I said, "But, but in terms of for you, how does it? What is it like receiving a script?" And having someone basically sticking words in your mouth. I mean, you're not necessarily playing yourself. You're playing a caricature of yourself. But do you ever do you ever receive this? I mean, for this script, for instance, for Brainstorm, did you receive this? And did you ask? Did you see any one specific line and ask yourself or ask Martin, "Is that how you really see me?" You know, I'm, no. I'm not like that. <laughs> uh, I don't act like no. that. I did ask to change a few things, though, and he was very receptive. I mean, he was super receptive. He was the king of receptivity. <laughs> yes, cool. that's right. He was right. the supreme commander of receptivity, I guess. That's right. So uh, it was very nice. It was great. Cool. No, uh, as I say, the people perceive me, I think, pretty much the way I am. Mm -hmm. With a couple of, uh, once in a while, there'd be a so-called miscue, but not for mm -hmm. Martin Giro. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, but I did we... ask him, uh, he had me, uh, what was it? He had me making fun of uh, Rodney, Rodney McKay yeah. a little more than I did. And I, I thought okay. it came out just right. Okay. Well, he, like that, I don't know if you watched the show. You must have. Of course you oh, did. Oh, I've, I've seen it a few you times now. Memorized, you memorized it, yes. Where <laughs> I say, I mutter to myself, that guy is one odd duck. Yes, that's right. That was an ad lib, and Martin... Uh, embraced it, and let me say I, that sort of crystallizes, you know, the, your relationship to Rodney McKay. Yes, the guy exactly. you love to hate, but he saves the world every week. So what are you right. going to do? But he, it doesn't change the fact that he's still a real oddball. So. He's an odd guy, but he's hooked. He's hooked up with uh, Cower. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, of course, Jewel State got a lover. So uh, I mean, come on. <laughs> now I got to tell you, Bill. Um, in order to watch Power Rangers when I was growing up, I had to watch Bill Nye first. My dad would not let me watch my show until I watched his show. And eventually, his show became my show as well. Uh, it only took, I think, maybe two episodes before I got really hooked. And I, I, I think I was eight or nine at this point. So it was, I mean, at least a quarter of the stuff that I know about science, I learned from Bill Nye, the science guy. Now, how, aside from the fact that it's a real honor to speak with you here, how does it feel knowing you've helped to influence so many kids to have an interest in science? 
it's fantastic. With that said, I still don't get it. And every day I say to myself, I got to take a second and understand what's going on here. Mm. I mean, people come up to me, hi, I'm a physician. I'm a doctor because I watched your show. Hi, I'm a, I'm a mechanical engineer because I watched your show. Because they watched your show. Yeah. People wow. say that to me quite often. And uh, I, how much of it is a result of seeing me personally, physically in the same part of the space-time continuum, the same coordinates, <laughs> or how much of it is is really real? And mm-hmm. so uh, I think a lot of it's real. And mm-hmm. That's quite a thing for me. It means a great mm-hmm. deal to me. I still, I still can't get over it because that was the goal. Yeah, the I, goal yeah, I would have to have been. Yeah. I, I, I wrote a paper, a single sheet of paper years ago called The Rules of the Road. Uh And uh, the objective of the show, the first line on The Rules of the Road is change the world. That's the goal. And uh, maybe maybe we did. Maybe we are. Well, you made, or at the very least helped make, science accessible by explaining it in fundamental terms. And I, I still have a number of episodes, and I, I, I went back and watched, which one, what, Buoyancy. I watched Buoyancy oh, the other day. That's and a I was, good show. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You underwater and everything, and, and show, the water line, and, you know, it all makes sense. You know, and it's not, it doesn't, I, I, whether I'm 8 or whether I'm 25 now, yeah, some things are a little fundamental, and, and you know, you hear the guy going, uh, Bill, you know, basically like, they get it, Bill. But it's uh, still this. It's, yes, but it still it still works, you know, and it's still something that I enjoy watching. So well, half the viewers were grownups. So exactly, turn it up loud. Right now, what first got you interested in science? I'm sure I've, you've got this question a million times before, but I, our, our readers would like to know, Bill. Well, I, here's how I always answer this: I don't remember. Really, it was before I can remember. It was certainly before I was four. I think it was before I was three years old. Okay. And there's a couple of uh, – these stories aren't really apocryphal, but they're emblematic. <laughs> uh, my brother had a chemistry set, mm. and he made ammonia. Okay. And uh, then we had litmus paper, and it would change color, and that was astonishing. Astonishing, I tell you. Yeah. Then uh, – uh, I remember watching bees. I spent a lot of time watching bees. Aren't they interesting? They're astonishing. They're and really I, was, cool. I spent so much time watching so many bees that I convinced myself I was watching the same individual come and go from a flower in front of my parents' house. Uh, then I read in Ripley's Believe It or Not, which was in the Sunday paper, a single frame, uh, it said, according to aerodynamic theory, Bumblebees cannot fly. Yeah. I remember thinking, that's not a very good theory. <laughs> yeah, something's, something is missing from the equation. <laughs> because the bees seem really good at it. I mean, better yeah. than helicopters. And yeah. And so that, I got to say, these are, these are uh, big moments for me. And the other one, I, I mean, I tell this story often, just as you pointed out. But I had uh, a balsa wood airplane, which is still made. By Gilos, this company, and it's called the Sky Streak. I think I had one. Yeah, you probably sure you did. And the the advantage of the Sky Streak, it's cheaper than the Super Streak, <laughs> but it has no wheels. We were talking this and that. We were talking about boats, and if you bent the rudder, 
the vertical tail, it would curve. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we did that using steam. Mm. And I threw it. Also, at this point, I was sophisticated enough to lubricate the rubber band motor with dishwashing soap. So you could really crank a lot of knots into that rubber band. (laughs) And the thing made three left. It made three turns, three circles to the left. And it came right back to me like a like a cartoon boomerang. Yeah. And I, I went, that is amazing. Yeah. Oh. And uh, then I later on, I went to college and I took aerodynamics. I took airplane design. Mm-hmm. And it's very, you can show that when you, when you move the rudder, the airplane banks and so on and so on. There's so-called coupling. It's astonishing. Yeah. It's you can science. predict the future. It's science, yes. And uh, if you think about how good birds are at this, yeah, man, we are babes in the aerodynamic woods. But these these moments had a great effect on me. My father but, is is a helicopter pilot, so I've always. Oh, well, I'm been not telling acqu- you anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've I've been acquainted with aerodynamics. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I I don't understand how all of it works. But you know, the the fact that we can we can put a a helicopter in the air to this day still astonishes me. You know, it's it's so cool. It is know? so cool. It's yeah. fantastic. But yeah, with science, you can predict the future. With science, you can make things uh, that you would not find in nature. Mm-hmm. So, or you'd not find outside of humans. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I've always loved it. Yeah. And I mean, compared, to other ways, compared to other ways of looking at the world, science is pretty good. Right. say. Right, yeah. You know, it's 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 the it's the method by which we we discover more about the world around us and maybe a little bit about ourselves too. It's absolutely well. They, there's a huge market for people and uh, their health. People of all ages are fascinated with their bodies, yeah. and uh, we learn most of that from science. Can you imagine a time when people didn't really exactly quite believe in germs? Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, mm-hmm. wow. People didn't believe in blood and circulation, didn't believe. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they're slaughtering pigs and chickens or whatever else you might go for for protein. Mm-hmm. But they sort of never really embraced the idea that blood goes out this way and comes back that way. Mm-hmm. Passing it's oxygenated over here. It's mm-hmm. amazing. We can be so blockheaded with with trying to understand or perceive or believe in things that we cannot see with our own naked eyes. And there's just so much out there, you know. Well, that's what, let me say, that's what physics is all about. Yeah. Yeah. It's the stuff that that looks fine just really isn't. You know? Right. How, uh, had you seen Stargate Atlantis before, Brainstorm? Had oh, you seen yeah, any yeah. Stargate? Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But let me say, I was not obsessively obsessed. <laughs> uh, I watched it now and then. Oh really? Okay. But you know, since I was on, or since a few weeks before I was on, I watch them. You know, I watch them all. Those okay. race—they're trouble, man. Yeah, they are trouble. And I guess you know they're commanders, a thoughtful guy, but you know they, they really are trouble. Yeah, it's a small—it's kind of a small galaxy. It's a small galaxy. It is. It is. From your perspective, how real is the Stargate as a concept? Is it pure fiction, or is there some truth behind it? Well. <laughs> There's the word truth. There's a lot of good astrophysical astrophysical speculation behind it. Mm-hmm. Is it true? <laughs> That's yeah. a whole nother. 
This idea that you can fall into a black hole, a place with so much gravity that you end up in another part of the universe at another time, yeah, it's quite charming. But yeah. so far, from what we know about black holes, you would uh, die. Yeah, you, you wouldn't survive play. the trip. No, not at all. And But maybe it's not a black hole. Maybe it's this other thing. And you get into the, uh, if I may, interstices, the places between the nodes of the network of mathematics. And who knows? Science leads us to this fabulous science fiction. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, uh, you know, what goes on with relativity mm -hmm. is sort of stranger than you could imagine from scratch. Mm. It's 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 so counterintuitive, so outside of our everyday experience, and yet obviously so obviously true. Yeah. That who knows what's possible with black holes and space-time and multiple universes and... Uh, travel between them by just pushing the right button who knows it's quite it's wonderful to think about oh the yeah other thing that i love about science fiction is it's so hopeful not mm -hmm. all of it mm -hmm. but when you got people flying around galaxies uh it shows you that humans will, will make it to, to the next level and that's what everybody mm -hmm. wants well, if we've made it this far, Bill, <laughs> I mean, through well, a couple of world wars and splitting the atom, we might just have a chance. <laughs> oh, but, uh, oh, no, I got to tell you, this business of climate change. Yeah. This is serious biz. Yeah. Now, we got 7 billion people, but by the time you're my age, mm -hmm. there might be 12 mm -hmm. billion people. Mm -hmm. And these people are all going to be trying to live the way we do in the West, the way we do in... Uh, the developed world. It's unsustainable. It's not sustainable. So you and I are living at the turning point, a, a, a critical, critical time. Mm -hmm. And so we'll see if we pull this off. Now, you know, humans will survive, but how many of us mm -hmm. and at what quality of life? Mm -hmm. You know, I think back, not every day, but from time to time, this uh, library in Alexandria, yeah. Where they have most of the world's knowledge. And these people show up and burn it down. Yeah. To, to, just to show they were tougher than the next guy. Well, when you get climate change and people can't make a living and people can't get fresh water and then there are these diseases yeah. that ravage humans, it's not clear how well the Internet's going to do. And without the Internet or the, the next level equivalent of it, it's just not going to be... People will long for the good old days, let me say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. By the way, one thing about Stargate that's all, and Star Trek and S Star Wars and all of them <laughs> is the business of diseases. You, know, you can't just show up probably and start breathing on people, on race. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this idea was captured in uh, War of the Worlds. But yeah. it's a real idea. You know, the, your enemies are not really lions and tigers and bears. Oh, they're trouble. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, lions and yeah. tigers and bears. The real problem is germs and parasites. Microscopic stuff, yeah. Parasites are, are the real dangerous thing. So when you start getting infrastructure collapsing, uh, starving people, overrunning neighboring countries, it just really could be bad news. On the other mm -hmm. hand, what I always like to say... Huge economic opportunities with climate change. The innovations, everybody's talking about the green economy. Mm -hmm. The innovations that are possible seem, just seem like they should outweigh 
the dangers of climate change. We should be able to do better. We'll see. Well, it's it's really interesting. I went and saw the day the Earth stood still a few uh, like last week, and mm-hmm. it talks about how we as human beings, you know, are are fully capable of change, but we don't change until we are absolutely on the precipice and are forced to because it really is it really is the mother of of invention you know when when we're when we're pressed against a wall that's when we shine no, and, we'll see. yeah <laughs> exactly um <clears throat> and you brought up you brought up germs stargate did answer that in in an episode of season two on sg1 there was an episode called one false step uh where we visit a planet and our germs, or we think, our germs are, are the death of a civilization. And the doctor on the base actually brings up, you know, I'm surprised this hasn't happened more often. You know, so that was their kind of tip of the hat to that, you know, where, where germs and, and bacteria and, and coming in contact with other, with other alien life forms, you know, I mean, just by visiting them would really cause a problem. And we'd have yeah. to really be careful. But on the other hand, maybe they have some technology not explained. Right. Like, how do you have gravity on a starship? Easy to get gravity in a soundstage. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or a so remote how... desert location. Right. Which is where we had our uh, brainstorm. Right. Exactly. Well, and I mean... I was, that was a climate change episode. I was, I was mm-hmm. really... It was big fun for me. Freeze lightning. Freeze like oh don't get me started. <laughs> so, that was fabulous. <laughs> Science fiction baby. How did you uh, get approached to do the show? Did did Martin give you a call or yeah how did that he come called about? me he called me but I think uh, I don't know for sure but I'm pretty sure that they people at Stargate were fans of the Science Guy mm. and after they brought Robert Picardo on board yes good Bob good old Bob 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 and I are very good friends. Yeah, and uh, so I think Bob Bob was telling Martin, Robert was telling Martin that, oh yeah, I know how to get hold of Bill Nye, blah blah blah. But it was cool, it was really fun. Oh, it was really fun. You didn't even get to work with him with Robert. No, I didn't. Yeah, no, Woolsey. Right. That guy, he's got a lot on his mind. <laughs> yeah, he does. And I really encourage everyone to just watch how funny he is. All this little stuff he brings to every scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's cool. The guy, he's, he really is an actor. Man, he is really good. Bob is, believe it or not, my favorite actor of all time. I uh, watched I him on, yeah. on Wonder Years growing up. But, but the EMH on Voyager, he just mopped up the floor. He stole oh, the yeah. show. We all know it. <laughs> he really well, did. I, I, I enjoyed The Doctor very much. Mm-hmm. But I also, I'll just tell you, I had no problem at all with Seven of Nine. Okay. No, I them together. I don't know why they didn't. They didn't record an album. He stays in touch with Jerry. I think you know they exchange emails from time to time. Oh, cool! I yeah, had lunch I with Jerry one day. She is all that. Oh man, all that. Wow! Wow! Very cool. But no, so Bob, you 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 knew that Bob was on Atlantis, and they're like, you know, let's let's go in, and and then you then the the global warming aspect of the show came out because there was Martin said that um, universal universal NBC universal was doing a green week. And so they wanted to do uh, something that had to do with the environment. And so that was a perfect excuse to come back to earth. Yes. And meet all these science geeks. Yes. And uh, so, you know, I wore a tuxedo for four days. It was fabulous. (laughs) 
<laughs> with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil was there, yeah. I'm sure you've you've worked with him before. Or, uh, well, I mean, he and I are community. very good friends. We're on okay. a board. We're on the board of the Planetary Society, which is the That's organization right. started by Carl Sagan. In fact, yes. I just got a, an email from Neil, and his book about Pluto is coming out. The Plutoids. Well, so he talks about – I don't know if you all realize it, but he was among the people who started this Pluto's not a planet thing. Yeah, the he episode kind of – Well, he did it that. for – oh, yeah, yeah, it's great. He did it for very, very good scientific reasons. Mm-hmm. And to your listeners who think it's – get, uh, if I may, arms akimbo – yeah, all the little the school kids crying. Yeah, is that Pluto is just not much of a thing compared to other celestial objects. It's yeah. much smaller than the Earth's moon. If you took it near the sun, like, for example, where the Earth is, or uh-huh. let's say a better, better example might be Venus, it would evaporate. It would volatize. It would just disappear. And dis- it would have a tail. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. is that worthy of a planet? Yeah. <laughs> Furthermore, it's not in the plane of the ecliptic, what I like to call the main plane. The main plane uh-huh. is my own coinage. And uh, it's not made of the same stuff as the other planets. Uh-huh. If you're scoring along with us, what do we do about Ceres? Ceres, C-E-R-E-S, was a planet for a while, and then it got demoted on account of its diminutive size. Mm-hmm. And so this now you can get into fistfight in the planetary bar. Now, the uh, the moons of Jupiter, the rather the the uh, Galilean moons, the big ones, yeah, Titan are almost and, yeah. the size of the Earth. But as they say, they play in a tough division. I mean, some people want them to be planets, but other people go, well, they're orbiting another planet. Yeah, and, they're moons. You know, so in, there, in, well, there you are. So yeah, where where do you draw these lines? Well, it's quite mm-hmm. reasonable to not have Pluto be among those other heavy-duty, mm-hmm. gravity-sweeping bodies. Mm-hmm. And so, um, gravitationally-sweeping bodies. And so, I love, love the term Plutoid. <laughs> it was the last of the planets, now it's the first of the Plutoids. Come on, yes. what, more does, what more does a Plutoid hope for? And <laughs> I ad-libbed all that stuff that Martin Giro left in, the, in that scene where Neil and Bill meet... Rodney and uh, Jennifer uh, Keller. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know about the Plutoids, so I learned something there. There you guys see, we slipped in a little pedagogy. A little it was great. Thing, uh, right. That's there. right. <laughs> so and, yeah, I'm gonna have to check out that book. Do you, do you know if it's out yet? Or well, no. He says it says right here. I just got this email. I mean, a few minutes ago. It arrived at 10:39 Pacific time. What is <laughs> okay. it? So it's an hour ago. Yeah, the book won't officially be released for a few more weeks, at which time I'll have copies sent around. Bob, best to you, Neil. Neil and I are always going after each other about this stuff. Because he, he's another guy that throws around the expression trans-Neptunian. Okay, you've lost me. Trans-Neptunian means across from Neptune. Uh-huh. Uh, but my client... And Pluto is a trans-Neptunian object. Okay. But... Many, many of the other Kuiper Belt objects, the KBOs, out beyond Pluto. I mean, just a few, a few million kilometers. Those do not cross the orbit of Neptune, and they would be not trans-Neptunian. They would be ultra-Neptunian. And my Latin uh. teachers would be rolling in their proverbial chalk dust. Over there. <laughs> 
I took three years of Latin, and I know what you're asking. Did you put it back? No, so I took three <laughs> years of Latin, and I didn't get a lot out of it except vocabulary. I learned mm. a lot about English vocabulary and etymology of words. Uh, it's, <laughs> I spent a lot of time with that. It's absolutely fascinating. I mean, I, it's funny. You go to a place like Italy, and you can sort of uh-huh. figure out what's going on. Yeah. Uh, Latin. You can go to France and to a lesser extent, Spain very well. You can sort of figure it out uh, right. from Latin. Anyway, so it should be, these should be ultra Neptunian objects. Pluto <laughs> being trans Neptunian, to be sure. So anyway, Neil and I, I got into it with Neil about this once, and he put that one of my emails in his book. And uh, I also told him, Neil, you've got to take a stand on this, man. You're the head of the Hayden yeah. Planet. He was going through this, oh, well, it could go either way. Neil! And he, he's the guy who started, so he's on it now, man. Put he your is, foot down. Well, he's no, no, he he did. Like like anything, it's gonna it's, it'll take a while for those of us who oh, Pluto was a planet when I was growing up to yeah, change. Uh, but yeah. you know, if it sticks, it sticks. Well, not just that; it's good science. And yeah. the one thing you can count on in science is that changing. things are going to change. Yeah. Now we are upgrading the old Bill Nye the Science Guy show about planets and moons. You may remember it has the the sequence of me on a bicycle riding yes. between the planets. Yes, yeah. the, the, the size. Yeah. Right. Comparison. So we're, we're going to change that. And in those days, it, Jupiter had 16 moons. Mm. Now it has at least 60, six zero. Wow. And what it is is the better pictures you get, the more of <laughs> you discover. So, so you're going to go out there and reshoot that? Uh, we're going to reshoot the Pluto arrival, yeah. Oh, okay. Very cool. That's now, let me cool. ask you this. Should I use my old bicycle or the new bicycle? Well, continuity in me should say, um, yeah. The old bicycle. Yeah, the old one and, and darken your hair and, you know, do all that stuff. I'll, I'll keep the helmet on. <laughs> okay. But, uh, the, that helmet is, I think, long gone. I mean, you wouldn't wear it anymore, that old helmet. And it's not as good as a modern helmet. And... Uh, I still have that jersey, but it's it's not as dark as it once was. It's seen a lot more ultraviolet light. So we'll uh, we'll think that over. It might make sense to be on a new bicycle. You know, science changes. I change bicycles as technology no, that's, changes. That's great. You know, I mean that that you're that you you want to keep these. No, shows you have consistent. a lot on your mind. Yeah. I don't want to burden you with one more decision, but no, it's cool. <laughs> but uh, brain, th- this w- this particular episode was was Martin's first outing as a director. Yeah, he was outstanding. He was just outstanding. He was like rolling off a log. He knew just what to do. He set it all up. And they yeah. have a very good crew there. I mean, they all uh, not, they don't have to. They finish each other's sentences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody been around gets since MacGyver. Yeah, a lot yeah they, of don't, they don't. They uh, don't start beating each other up over stuff that doesn't matter. So. Mm-hmm. Very cool. It's a very good crew. Getting back to the the problems that that Brainstorm spoke to, you know, as as a civilization, we're spinning in, out of control in terms of our size, our our usage of the Earth's natural resources. How do we? I mean, this is trying to be succinct with the answer. How do we become part of the solution rather than the problem? I mean, how how do we start to curb our extravagance before taking some of the bigger steps that we need toward change? I mean, I, for instance, I turned off my power in phoenix before i left i didn't want my all, all of my clocks to be to be taking power because i wasn't going to be using them you know but aside from that you know what, what do you think what do you think we can do in our daily lives to to, well, to help out if you want to worry about things <clears throat> mm. 
the there is a lot of low hanging fruit mm-hmm. uh, that we have yet to reach your precipice where we finally do something about it. Mm. And uh, if if you own a vehicle, your car is the single biggest consumer decision you make as far as climate change and greenhouse mm. gases. Mm. So get a less inefficient car if you can. Less inefficient, yeah. Yeah, I use that expression whimsically. Yeah, car. What do you, you drive? drive? I have a Prius, and it's okay. But you would expect a science guy to have a Prius, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, you have your reputation to keep up, Bill. Horses that I could buy a car. You know, not everybody does. See, buying a car is a big deal. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so get a less inefficient car if you can. Then, uh, if you own uh, a house, uh, the big thing is insulation, especially the windows. Mm. But the trouble with replacing the windows is it's not sexy. Mm. I mean, windows. What? My house has windows. What? What? Mm. Uh, but it makes an enormous difference. And if you have storm windows, put up storm windows. If you live in an apartment, you can rig up storm windows. It makes a huge difference. Mm. See, what everybody in the traditional environmental movement, the one I grew up in, if you will, since the first Earth Day and so on, mm-hmm. environmentalists want you to do less by tradition. Drive less, wash your, like wear dirty clothes, and if possible, just don't eat. Don't eat anything. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, the, this, that, by and large, is unrealistic. Well, yeah. it's not what people want to do, especially yeah. when you go to the developing world. Yeah. You go to India and some parts of China. That's not what people want. People want to turn it up to 11 right now. They want to live like Starsky and Hutch or whatever it is. Mm. And so what we have to do is find ways to do more with less. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. the science guy's message. More with less, and this means more efficient solar panels, better batteries. Whoever makes the best, better battery is going to get so crazy rich. I can't even think about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then we need less inefficient city planning. We need mm-hmm. uh, less inefficient irrigation, uh, less inefficient fertilizing. You know, we have this thing where we we make fertilizer with nitrogen, and the meanwhile, meanwhile, we dump pig waste down our river systems. Yeah. Whereas the pig waste used to be used for fertilizer. Yeah. We we've kind of we've lost our uh, close we don't close the loop in farming the way we once did. And these are solvable problems. Yeah. And uh, and somebody the technology for doing that is better ways to move pig waste around. And there's got to be it there have to be these things. Better use of materials, better use of uh, electricity uh, or energy. This has all got to be doable. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited as uh, a U.S. citizen about oh, the yeah. people that Obama has brought on board. These are people that no longer deny climate change, no longer confuse uh, heat islands or city uh, warming, and also people that can understand how serious it is. Mm-hmm. It's a real problem when you have these. When we had these guys in charge, that I don't know, I don't know what their motivation was exactly, but they just were. It's generational, I think. If you're from an earlier generation, it it seems literally incredible. Mm-hmm. Climate change seems incredible. It's too big to be true, mm-hmm. but there it is. Apparently, so mm-hmm. we got to get her done. Yeah, I've got a. I have a friend who is 
a real big environmentalist. He's he uh, put uh, solar panels on his roof. You know, his his entire roof is covered in solar panels. And in Phoenix, you know, he's where where it never doesn't shine. You know, he's he's very excited that he's giving energy back to the grid as opposed to I, I do away that. From it. I, I have four kilowatts of solar here in Southern California, and I put power right now while we're sitting here. Power is going back on the grid. Sweet. Yeah, well, one of the problems with solar energy, you know, it's I mean, from from my limited understanding, is it's you know, the the technology is so young right now. Our solar panels right now are 15% efficient. Yeah, they're very inefficient. What if they were 50? Yeah. Change the world. So everybody's dream right now is um, everybody's dream is to is to use nanotubes to get more efficient capture of photons mm-hmm. and everybody thinks we're close where this oh, it can t- be done yeah this billionth of a meter or tens of billionths of a meter long tube would be the same length as a quarter wavelength of light and this would these things would be 50 percent or more percent efficient three or four times as efficient as what we have now and that would change the world would they would they be costly in, in their construction well, the, you know? the whole would, thing would it, is if they are, then we haven't gotten there. You know, we have to yeah. do all. And I'm not saying yeah. that this is the key to everything is putting solar panels on everybody's roof, but it's part of it. And it's certainly something worth spending uh, research dollars on. Research euros, yeah. research yuan, research everything's. Yeah. And the yeah. other thing, you live in Phoenix, right? Yeah. Solar hot water. Talk about oh, the low yeah. and fruit. My goodness, people, the sun shines all day in Phoenix, and hardly anyone uses it to warm their domestic hot water. Yeah. That is, if I may, a little wacky. I know. But we'll, uh, somebody's going to get on that. Somebody's going to go into the business, and we will change the world. Yeah, I know. You know, I look at my hot water heater inside my extremely hot uh, garage door, door. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My garage. And I'm thinking to myself, what a waste. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, I feel it's... bad going to bed at night knowing that this thing is running. It's just, it is so redundant, you know? Well, what you need is to optimize it. See, because it does yeah. get quite cool there, right? Yeah, it does. In the evening. Oh, it so sure you, does, yeah. Yeah, so you need, we need systems that, uh, that take advantage, store it during the day and give it back to you at mm-hmm. night. So these are ancient tricks. I'm looking at my solar panel output right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, it hasn't updated for about a half hour. Yeah, so we're at uh, we're making uh, six kilowatts so far. Kilowatt. All right. All right. It's not bad. Doing your part, Bill. Well, it's fun. It's just yeah, it un- is. unbelievably fun. To see your meter going backwards. I can't even can't even tell you. So. Uh, last question: What's currently going on in the world of Bill Nye? What what can we expect to see from you in the future? The new thing is supposed to be up by the twentieth of January. Are these uh, webisodes, as the kids call them, <laughs> uh, about algebra? We have a giant piece of graph paper. Mm-hmm. The floor of the stage or the studio is this vinyl uh, graph, and we have two train tracks, toy ah. trains. Y and L trains. Yeah, X and Y, and they have equations, and we solve two equations for two unknowns. And what do you think happens when you have two trains on a big graph? They eventually intersect and hit one another. They crash, yeah. That's weird. <laughs> oh, man. That's going to be fun. Trains, toy trains crash. And I asked the people, 
<laughs> it's great. Brains again, fine. Are you all, are you all okay? Yes, Bill. <laughs> we're made of plastic. <laughs> so we're fine, Bill. We're made of plastic. Anyway, it's, it's solving for X. That's where you'll find it. Uh, the other thing I'm working on is stuff happens on Planet Green. Planet Green is a uh, it's in the Discovery family of channels. There we go. Oh, okay. And uh, Planet Green is their environmental channel, and my show is called Stuff Happens. And we did 13 of them, and they're very well received. Is that available on DVD? Uh, I don't know, but they almost always are. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> you can get anything on DVD. Well, Discovery is all about that. They're all about the making this, these things available. Sweet. All right, they're not about man. revenue. That's not No, it's making things available. Right. Very good. Well, Bill... It has been a privilege, sir. Being oh, no, no, it's great. Right. Let's change the world. Little... I completely agree. You know, we look at all these world problems and, you know, I mean, even even I look at that. Even I, you know, me. But um, we, 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 I think we sometimes see the big picture and get overwhelmed by it. And it just starts with us. It starts with the little things. The longest you know? journey starts with but a single step. Yeah, you know, every single thing you do. This is a really hard idea, and it's especially hard for uh, a guy like Senator Inhofe. He's, he just can't get his mind around this. Every single thing you do affects everybody in the world. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe. Butterfly effect. Yeah. Well, it's not that so much as every mile or a kilometer you drive affects the air. Yeah. And we all share the air. So there's nothing – you everything you do affects everyone. And so there's nothing you can do that doesn't affect people. So every decision you make, uh, make it as well as you can. Make it as good a de- as a consumer. Make it as good a con- decision as you can. Sweet. These are all easy things to say but hard things to do. Thank you, Bill, very much. Oh, no, Dave, it is I who must thank you. Carry on. Let's change the world. Wormhole disengaged.